Hello, I'm Seth, and I've seen once, once. I'm Bob, and I've seen once, twice. Welcome to Not Even Once. A podcast where Seth and I recount each episode of Once Upon a Time to share with you. How are you, Bob? Good. It has been a minute since we recorded, and I think we said that last time, too. The past of the past. <laughs> we don't need to talk about it. Nope. It's happened. It's done with. <laughs> we did see each other the other day. Oh, I mean, I've seen you regularly. It's just uh, some peek behind the curtain. We are uh, recording this right after New Year's 2023. So it is uh, holidays definitely like kind of got in the way of recording yeah. and, and keeping that schedule. There was a lot happening one after the other. Yes. Yes. Yeah. With, with us and with AJ as well. Hello. Yeah. I got COVID, AJ got COVID, then the holidays, then more holidays. I was in LA for work. Like, it, it was it was all over the place. Bob, welcome home. Uh, my arms are so tired. From jacking off all these guys. Hmm? No, from getting run over by tires. That's <laughs> very dumb. <laughs> Don't worry, I can cut that. Or not. Who knows? <laughs> Who knows at this point? Me. AJ will love it. <laughs> yeah! So, last time, we watched the episode Dreaming, and uh, it was fully just a fever oh, dream. Dreamy. Is I, that, that I how... I tried to forget the episode. I was going to say, is entirely. that how little you cared for it? <laughs> <laughs> Afterwards, I just took medication and tried to block it out. It wasn't that bad, but it was pretty bad. So, David is, like, arrested in connection to Catherine's disappearance. It's it's kind of unclear at the end, but kind of yes and kind of no. And then it was in that moment that the town forgave Mary Margaret for actually doing nothing wrong herself. Yeah, yeah, it's... She was painted as the town harlot. And it's like, yes, she is technically at fault, but also, like... She David was the one tried to break it off several times. Yes, yeah, David is the one that fucked it up. Yeah, like communication. Because she repeatedly told him, "You need to tell Catherine about this." Like, and I cannot be the one to do so. You need to one hundred, and uh, for sure did not happen. Um, poor fucking Margaret. <laughs> and now everyone needs even more therapy. Oh, for sure. This episode, though, is episode fifteen. Red-handed. I had guessed that this would be Red Riding Hood's backstory. Yeah. Yeah, you're a million percent right. Didn't even need to guess that hard. It's pretty much right there in the name. You did it! Uh, one of the ones that is not hard to guess or obtuse in any way, shape, or form. Finally, I needed a win. Yeah! And also, we've been waiting for the Little Red Riding Hood backstory for a minute. Mm. And they delivered... So this this episode was directed by Ron Underwood, who is a new director for the first time in a minute. Because uh, the last few of these, we had repeat people. Um, so one of the first movies he worked on uh, was Future World in 1976. He babysat Gwyneth Paltrow, whose mother was in the movie. No shit. Yeah, Nepo baby <laughs> Gwyneth Paltrow. Uh, he was her babysitter on set, which I thought was uh, was pretty interesting. Uh, he has a Peabody Award from his direction of the 1986 ABC weekend special, The Mouse and the Motorcycle, which was like a, a kid's like special you know weekend kind of presentation. His first major movie that he directed 
was Tremors in 1990 with Kevin Bacon. Why? City Slickers with Billy Crystal in 91. And Heart and Souls in 1993 with Robert Downey Jr. and Alfre Woodard. Oh my god. And after those movies, in 1998, he was brought on to direct Mighty Joe Young, starring Charlize Theron in her first lead role. Wow. And then, the not King Kong movie. Yeah, the not King Kong movie. And then after that, he directed The Adventures of Pluto Nash with Eddie Murphy and Rosario Dawson, for which he does have a Golden Raspberry nomination. Ooh. It was not a good movie. Nope. Uh, and then, like, from what I kind of looked up, it did kind of derail his directing. Unfortunately, it was so bad. But it brought him to this. Yes, he brought... I mean, he, he's also done so much stuff. He's steadily worked on TV as well as movies. He's worked on Monk, Ugly Betty, Heroes, Desperate Housewives, Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D., and many more. And this episode was also written by Jane Espenson, repeat offender here. Uh, she's been credited for some real bangers on Once Upon a Time so far, namely Skin Deep, which was Belle's introduction, That Still Small Voice, which was Jiminy Cricket's introduction, and Desperate Souls, which was Rumpelstiltskin's backstory. So, I, I honestly, it's at this point where I'm, if I see her credited on an episode, I'm like, this is going to be a good one. Good for her. This is going to be a solid watch. And, oh, uh, one more thing. Red Handed originally aired on March 11th, 2012. The title screen for the episode, there is a person in a billowing cloak walking from the middle distance into the background. Also, we did get a new intro this time. Did Yeah, yeah, we did. Welcome to Intro Watch, where we talk about whether or not there's a previously on every time. I'm pretty sure this, it acts as a previously on because they do so many, like, back and forths. And it's network TV, so you have to... Remember that, like, people, this might be the first episode that they watch. So you kind of want to catch them up with kind of what's going on you up to, to this point. You have to get the catch-ups for the Caleb's of the world. Got them. Yes, exactly. Like, you can't have everyone asking a million questions. Like, even though that's what's going to happen. That's just... We love you, Caleb. Uh, Caleb watched the recap <laughs> on the episode we recorded. And he was, was the blonde one? <laughs> the blonde cop. Hey, cop. <laughs> uh, blonde cop. Who is Emma? Yeah, no. Uh, it is a confusing show if you're not watching every episode of it. I watched Dreamy. It's just a confusing show sometimes. Oh, yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. In the episode itself, we start at the storybook sheriff's office. David can't really explain away the phone call that uh, was discovered in uh, the transcripts. Not the transcripts. Uh, the phone records. Yeah, the phone records that he had with Catherine right before she disappeared. Emma believes him because she has her superpower that she can spot a liar. Mm -hmm. But liars have better excuses. Then the music gets sad, so it's not looking good for poor David. Um, Emma tells David that he should get a lawyer. I don't think that's a very common thing for cops to tell people they need a lawyer, right? Because usually, don't they kind of want to entrap people into talking to them first? Well, I mean, part of the Miranda rights is that you can tell someone that you have the right to an attorney. Yeah, you have the right to remain silent. You have the right to an attorney. Like, all that stuff. Which Emma did not say when she arrested him. Uh-uh. I mean, was it an actual arrest? Who knows? It was unclear. Yeah, it was super unclear. But um, she also knows that He's, like, doing stuff with Mary Margaret and all that. So I think, like, she's being very friendly to him anyway. He's a main character, so... Yeah. <laughs> she knows that nothing's He happened. has 
top billing on the episode. Then we cut to Granny's Diner. Ruby's talking to August Booth, serving body as usual. Oh, yeah. Body. No, uh, my note here was full moon and a wolf howl at Granny's Diner, and Ruby is serving in both senses of the word. A woo. Like, and, and then I have a subheading in all caps. Icon. It's not a new outfit. It's her standard waitress uniform showing plenty of midriff Ooh. and legs. Oh, yeah. And she, of course, she's talking to August. Two absolute total smoke shows. Uh-huh. She's hanging over every word as he's describing his travels and favorite places and lemurs. And yeah, and Granny is like mad that Ruby is flirting with the motorcycle guy that she had previously flirted with. (laughs) I know that's not why she's actually mad, but that's what it looked like to me. Get it, Granny. Granny fucks. Oh, yeah. This Granny? This Granny fucks. But since this is the episode about Granny and Red, we hadn't actually talked about the actors yet, right? Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Um, So, Megan Ori plays Little Red Riding Hood. Uh, She's been in a bunch of shows, some Canadian that I didn't recognize, but one of them was called Vampire High, which sounds delightful. It was a high school for vampires. Wow. It was like, when she was younger, she was like a teen on the show. And it was just like kind of very that... Teenage angsty thing from what I could find. Looks like a silly show. Live action Monster High. Kind of. Um, she was also in John Tucker Must Die, which I've never seen, but I know of. Cool. She's also been on Smallville, Psych, Supernatural, Intelligence, the Dead Rising Made for Crackle movie. What the fuck? And is currently in the Chesapeake Shores adaptation on the Hallmark Channel. High-powered career woman Abby O'Brien has made it out of her hometown of Chesapeake Shores and into the big city, New York. When the divorced mother of twins takes a trip home, she's confronted with people from her past. So th- no wonder this is on the Hallmark Channel. Sounds right. But it's, it's not a movie. It's a six-season show, which she's making bank on it. Excellent for Megan Ori on that. Good for her. Excuse me while I dissociate. <laughs> um, she also walked in a 2013 fashion show for From Scotland with Love, wearing a Vivian Westwood dress. Work. Which, look it up, beautiful, absolutely stunning. Stunning. She looks amazing. Yes. Like, still doing great. Yes. Great up, for her. Up, down, she just looks amazing, yeah. period. Perfect. Perfect. Like, love her. Like, she's so good in the show, and, yes. you know, yes. she's good in everything else, I'm sure, as well. Yes. And then we have Granny Lucas, who's played by Beverly Elliott, who is a singer-songwriter. And she was in the Sisterhood of the Traveling Pants movie. Wow. Dead ass. I was like, excuse me? (laughs) I've not seen it, but I was like, you're joking, right? Nope. Like, anytime one of these, the actors shows up, and I'm like, oh, I saw that movie. They were in that thing. I didn't see it, but like... Everyone knows about Sister of the Traveling Pants. I'm really excited, Seth. Um, there's some episodes coming up where I think you're going to be flabbergasted by some of the people that, that show up. Kevin Bacon. <laughs> Maybe not Bacon. but um, So Beverly Elliott has been in a lot of Canadian TV, but some of the ones that I was familiar with were Psych, the V remake that was on ABC, Blade, the series, which took place after Blade Trinity, and The L Word. And like many other actors on Once Upon a Time, she is also regularly in Hallmark projects. If there's one thing Scott Pilgrim vs. the World taught me, it's that the L Word is lesbian. 
It is. How did you know? Um. Scott Pilgrim versus the world taught me. <laughs> I just said that, Bob. But anyway, so back to the diner. Um, Ruby is talking to August about lemurs. And uh, funny how uh, she's talking about creatures whose eyes glow at night. Hmm. Hmm. It's like someone dropped some info that they knew would be relevant. Oh, yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. After that scene, we cut to the fairy tale realm. There's a cute dude knocks on the wooden house, and Red Riding Hood opens the window. Also, I really liked that transition they did with Granny knocking on the, the counter to get Ruby's attention, and then it cuts to uh, Peter knocking on Red's window. I thought there was a really cool trick. It's like that thing, it's the same thing they did in the Graham episode, where it's like they had a lot of really interesting, cool transitions between scenes. Zoom into the eyeballs. Yeah, no, it's, it's like so much more more interesting than just like okay and we cut to the forest like it's really well done swipe from left <laughs> we get that from star yeah, wars star wars Excuse. famously or if all the bar and bat mitzvahs i've been to have taught me anything star wipes yeah oh star wipes yeah so you uh mentioned that the cute guy's name is peter mm-hmm. which immediately clocked peter and the wolf so, yep. I don't know if I noticed if there was an oboe playing in the background, but, like, it would have been really good. There wasn't in the scoring, but I think that might have been a little too on the nose. Whatever. Which, which I know Once Upon a Time loves to put it right on the nose, but, like, I think that might have been just a little too much. So, Peter is the blacksmith's son. Granny calls Red to the front door because there's a mob stopping by to... I mean, just tell her that they're going to hunt a wolf, I guess. Cool. So the guy's name is Peter that's there talking, and he's flirting with Red because, duh. Duh. And <laughs> they're like, oh, let's run away together. We have to go get away from this place. And I think he says, like, well, he, he like, one of them makes some reference to blowing the house down, or, like, was, what are you going to do, blow the, blow my house down, or something like that? Which, huff and puff. Which is like, ha, 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 yeah, three little pigs. But also, that man could absolutely blow my house down any day he wanted. Woof. <laughs> so, I can, I can just hear the horny bonk noises that AJ is going to be putting in here. So, in the middle of their flirting, Granny oh, calls... also, by the way... God damn it. I know, I know. So, the flirting... Megan Ori can have chemistry with literally anybody. Yeah. She's so good. She just has chemistry with the audience. Yeah. Honestly. Like, yeah. everyone, she's always, like, every scene she's in, I just, like, she draws your attention even when she doesn't have a line, as we have pointed out on the show. So in the middle of their flirting, Granny calls Red to the front door, because there's a mob stopping by just to, like... I don't know, get some tea, spill, whatever. There's a wolf, they need to go hunting. But like, why stop by to just tell her, I guess? Maybe so they're not out and about, whatever. Yeah, I think that's, it's like, you should stay in. Because like, we are going to be hunting this wolf tonight. Red wants to go join them, but Granny forbids her to join. Because wolf's time is almost over. Mm -hmm. The two of them bar the doors, windows, and fireplace, and Granny sets herself up in a chair facing the door with a giant fucking crossbow. The plus two great crossbow that Granny wields here. Right. Also, uh, I love the conversation between Red and Granny. Red repels wolves. Well, they're not wearing red. They're damn fools, too. Like It's like, get them, get them, get them, get them, get them. Speaking of the cloak, I am in love with Red's cloak. And the oh, it's corset, so gorgeous, right? It's so intricately embroidered. It's just fucking hot. I think later on I have a little bit more of a description of it. Mm-hmm. So we'll get to that later. 
back in Storybrooke, Ruby and Granny start bickering over Saturday shifts. They're trying to have her to work on Saturday. She is out raving. Come on. Yes. yes. She is going picking up every pair of boys that she sees at the bar. She is straying from that path, Granny. Let her stray. Mary and Ashley, who? All these boys are here for Ruby. <laughs> and honestly, me too. Same. Yeah. Granny says that Red dresses like a drag queen during Fleet Week. And, and what of it, Granny? No and, wonder we stand. And what of it? Are these really supposed to be bad things? Like, like th- literally, the read verbatim is... Liza, you dress like a drag queen during Fleet Week. And yes, she can fucking do whatever she wants. She is a woman. Honestly, fucking work. Like, I just love this, like, little, like, library session between the two of them. It's great. Great. Anyway, Ruby quits, and Granny puts on the best shocked Pikachu face ever. (laughs) Oh, no. We've been arguing, and she's finally had enough and quits. How could you ever? Yeah. Yeah, just, just let her adventure with lemurs, Grammy. Aang would love her. Back in the fairy tale realm, Red comes through a door wearing a fucking look. It's this bronze frock with a built-in corset. There are scarlet leaves like evenly spaced throughout and a cream-colored skirt with these orange-red bustles on the side. It's giving, I'm very poor, but I'm fucking fabulous. This is when, she, uh, this is in the chicken coop, right? No, this is... The story of a girl. No, you're right, it is in the Okay. Yeah, this is in the chicken coop. Granny asked Red to go collect the eggs from the chicken coop. And she just walks through the door looking amazing, stunning, beautiful, effervescent. We love her. Granny is really insistent on Red wearing that red hood. It's fabulous, but it was kind of an abrupt way to tell her to wear it. Mm -hmm. Red is checking the hens for eggs when Snow is discovered hiding in the coop. Yeah, it's like, oh... Hey, Snow White. Chicken. She gives the name Frosty because she knows she's being hunted. Then she settles on Margaret. No, Mary, because the show is subtle. I kind of really liked that. Like, I thought there was, it was like, okay, yeah, that's a little clever. Fine. Fine. They go to the well to collect some water. And while Red finds that the bucket is filled with blood. Also, really quick. Sorry. You're like, you're running through this. I have a lot more notes than usual. Then fucking say them. I think you have less than usual. Um, Probably. There are a number of references in this episode to the fairy tale Snow White and Rose Red, which Little Red Riding Hood is not based off of, and the Snow White in that story is not, like, the same Snow White with the Huntsman and everything, but they definitely, like, got a lot of, um, they got a lot of use of, like, that, the friendship between Snow White and Rose Red, which was pretty clever. Um, also, it's worth noting here that Snow White seems a little more rattled than normal in this episode, and I think... I, I honestly don't remember for sure, but I think this is closer to when she first escaped the castle with Regina and everything, which we haven't seen yet. We haven't seen the specifics of it yet, but I think this is closer to that than we've seen Snow White before. So this is pre-Huntsman? It would be post-Huntsman because she was still at the castle with Regina when the Huntsman stuff happened. And then she, I'm assuming... And, like, granted, I don't remember exactly what happens. I'm pretty sure she leaves after that. Because she knows for sure Regina's trying to kill her. So she runs away. But this is still before she meets Prince Charming. Yes. Yeah, because remember, when we first see her in that one, she's, like, way more capable. And I think this is a Snow White who has... Who's either freshly on the run or is still figuring stuff out. 
Excuse me, she wears a cloak, not a cape. Oh, shit! And speaking of, that cloak she has on is pretty great as well. Great. We've seen it before, but, like, it's still amazing. Yeah, it's, it's really, really pretty. So they go to the well to collect some water, and while Red finds that the bucket is filled with blood, Mary turns around and sees the corpse, the corpses of the wolf hunting party from the night before. Yeah, body's o'clock. Uh-oh. So, like, if... Granny and Mary, or Granny and uh, Red were both bar- barricaded inside their house. What wolf destroyed the party? I don't know. That's a good question, Seth. Could be something that's not answered in this episode, or it could be a plot hole. I'm not going to tell you. Maybe, maybe, Seth, there's, there's more to this story than you might think. It's deep, like a well. It's layered, nope. like parfait. <laughs> something, something, Shrek, something, donkey. Back in Maine. Discovering your main thing begins here. Visit Maine.com. Mary and Emma walk and talk about David and Catherine. And this black leather jacket that Emma has, I think it's the first time we've seen her in it to serve. It's great. Looks beautiful. Always is. Stunning. They come upon Ruby being talked to by Dr. Whale. Talked to in big quotes. Yeah. Women protecting women from Dr. Whale. God, the town lech. Honestly, they fully call it here. Yeah, they literally say, the day I can't handle a lech is the day I leave town. And hey, funny story. I officially love Ruby after this scene. Like, I I loved her before, but, like, I think this is the most we've seen of her character on her own. And, like, she's so good with Emma and Mary Margaret in this scene. But, Granny, when can I go explore for the world on my own? I have the whole world to see... (laughs) But there's no buses out of town. They don't really happen. And she doesn't even know where she's going. So Mary invites her back to her place. Yep. Girl party. Yep. Sleepover. Yeah. Pillow fight. Oh, yeah. In the fairy tale town hall, which is like remarkably well organized considering the floor is literally covered in straw and the general vibe is like uneducated and disorganized. We do get a full torches and pitchforks moment, which I loved. We have this guy named Tompkins trying to rally a mob to hunt the wolf again for a second night in a row. (laughs) But Granny and Red and Snow walk in and Granny berates everyone to stay inside and don't throw their lives away. And they call her Widow Lucas, Mm -hmm. which is the first time we hear other than Granny. Um, Fun etymology thing. The surname Lucas is similar to Lycos, which is Greek for wolf. Wow. Which I was like, okay, yeah, I see what you're doing. That's clever. I know about Lycos, but I I didn't put Lucas Lycos together. Mm -hmm. Lucas Lycos, Lucas Lycos, Lucas Lycos, Lucas Lycos. Uh, Her father and brothers died going after a wolf, too. And she's got a gnarly mark on her arm for where the wolf bit her to show for it. This And this is where I typed, this would be a really silly-looking Chekhov's gun if Granny turned out to be a werewolf. Slam dunk. <laughs> Swoosh. <laughs> home, <laughs> home touchdown. <laughs> you called it right from there. But did you have any idea? Like, was that just like, oh, this would be fun? Um, I think it was like, Granny was trying to protect Ruby, and then there was the mark on the arm getting bit. And then wolf's time. Wolf's time. Mm-hmm. So with those things together, I was like, oh, there's something with Granny. Yeah, as we, I mean, this is a bit jumping ahead, but as we get later in the episode, there is really like a slow dread that just keeps growing and growing and growing. It's like, uh-oh, uh-oh, something's, something's not right. Oh, no. 
no. This is bad. Oh, no. This is bad. bad. Fuck, this is really bad. bad. Later at Granny's place, Red and Snow are having girl talk and gossip. I love the uh, how they cut from the meeting hall to Red's room. Is is Snow White saying, So your grandma's pretty intense. <laughs> it's like, yeah. Like, she literally just gives the entire, like, um, speech from Jaws about this wolf. <laughs> and then it just cuts to the two gal pals in bed. Your grandma's a lot. <laughs> I was literally like, girl talk. <laughs> it's, it's great. I loved it. Like, it was such a fun transition. And uh, as as they, like, talk more and more, um, Red Riding Hood really just said, Somebody should just stab Caesar. About the wolf terrorizing the town. <laughs> Red gets the bright idea to kill the wolf herself. Great. But in the daytime, because no one's tried that ever in the multiple generations that people have been hunting the wolves. She's young and naive. This is Little Red Riding Hood. We know in some way, shape, or form she's going to be a little young and a little naive. And she's just going to go for it, whether Snow helps her or not. Yeah. I Hey, you know, Red will kill a wolf to get laid. You better work. You better wolf. I mean, hey, we've seen Peter. Ah, woo. <laughs> Stop. Back in Maine, at the Leaving Town sign where Catherine disappeared, Mary goes looking for clues. Snapping branches is supposed to make us think there's a connection between this situation and the fairy tale wolf we're hearing about. But no, it's just David. Yeah, David, um, here's a note. Kind of suspicious to just be in the woods right now. Don't be suspicious. Don't be suspicious. It's like, dude, I know you're innocent, but... My dude, this is not a good look for you, in particular. Mary swears she'll stand with him to defend him, but David just says he's looking Ooh. in this kind of zombie voice yeah, and walks away. Yeah, kind of looks like he's not all there, right? Right, Andrew. Well, I mean, does he ever? No, I'm joking. <laughs> Put a pin in that. That might be uh, might be worth revisiting at some point. Yeah. yeah. And as he's walking away, Mary and the background score are really freaked out. Like, <laughs> yeah. it's really punched up by the background music going out. Mm -hmm. Snow and Red are, meanwhile, tracking the wolf in the snow, wearing their fiercest hunting garb. Yeah, Red is a boss-ass bitch. I fucking love her. Like, she, it's like the thing, and she does it later with Emma as well, where it's like, she's like ridiculously competent out of nowhere and it's like you go like yes yeah you just you track that wolf mama it's not out of nowhere this episode is telling us all about yeah it. uh snow's scarf doesn't look at all practical for the snowy forest they're walking around in it looks more like something you pick up in the cole's women's section <laughs> but it's all lacy and goes well with the rest of her white gold embroidered dress mm -hmm. this belt though it's amazing it's like fake leather and there's this giant belt loop that kind of yes. looks like a dragon's tail yeah it's so good yeah yes it's great yes they find these real big paw prints they gawk at the size of them and keep pushing on because when red wants something she's real good at tracking it down Mm -hmm. Back in Maine at the sheriff's station, visitmaine.com. Henry is scrolling through Craigslist to help Ruby find a job. I think the website is like the Storybrook forum or something, which is like very like of this time. <laughs> it's Yahoo adverts. Like it, I do love. Um, they're like going through like you. What about this job? No. What about this job? No. Nope. Uh, what about Bike Messenger? Oh it's like God. taking things to people in a little basket. Henry, that's funny. <laughs> 
but he like he's going through it be like as a 30 year old yeah like, he doesn't go around the internet like a child. He doesn't do anything like a child. No, we know this about him. So, like, Ruby says that these jobs, these delivery jobs, aren't real jobs. What? And it's hilarious to look back on this as if, like, we don't have Uber Eats Yo. and Getter and GoPod. This is 100% before rideshare and, like, gig economy stuff. As bad as it is... And how, like, it is just a part of our lives. Like, this was for sure written before that was commonplace. Yeah. It's just a context thing. Like, wow. Also. (laughs) Did not age. Ruby with this red beret. Queen. Yes. You just have to say Ruby. Yeah. Period. (laughs) Yes. In the middle of this job hunting, Ruby answers the phone. She just decides out of nowhere to answer the phone at the sheriff's station. Just... You know, see, as you do. I think what I kind of got was like it had been ringing for a while, and she was like, "Okay, if no one's gonna answer. I'm gonna answer it." <laughs> and like immediately start solving everyone's problems. Henry had literally just said, "You know, the, that answering machine will get it, and Emma will get back to them." So you know, Ruby's gonna do it now. Yeah, do it now. So she just starts uh, helping out everyone. You know, cats and trees and stuff. No, that's Pongo. He'll go back to Archie. Don't worry about him. Give him a treat. Emma enters the scene behind her with a sly smile spreading across her face. So she offers Ruby a job. Enter Mary Margaret, scene right. Mm -hmm. David is in the woods acting weird like he's a different person. Miss Jane Espenson with these fucking lore lines. Hmm, it's like David was a different person. Because he was! (laughs) Now we're back in the snow, the... Fairy tale, like I don't, I don't, I don't know. I'll, I'll find a better way to do these transitions back and forth, but they just keep happening. That it's, I need a different way to say it. They do refer to it as the Enchanted Forest, if that's okay. Any that's help? Something that... like in, in the first episode, Henry does call it the Enchanted Forest. Okay, so like that is that is an actual name for it. In the Enchanted Forest, Red and Snow keep tracking the bloody wolf prints, and they get sus when the prints start to look half-wolf, half-boot. Like it's a man, and a wolf, and a wolf, and a man, and a wolf. (laughs) Ruby starts talking about a story she once heard about wolves and the full moon, when Snow interrupts that they're awfully close to the cottage. The tracks lead right up to Red's window, where Peter talked to Red at the start of the episode. Snow urges Red to talk to Peter to get him to stop so that he doesn't get killed by the hunting party or that he doesn't kill them because they're like, oh my God, who was at that window? It's Peter. It's, this is literally the point when I was like, that dread just started continuing to grow and grow and grow. It's like, uh uh-oh. Uh oh! I don't like where this is going. Oh, this no. seems bad. Oh no! Bad. Yeah, really. It's it's just like bad. something's wrong. They're missing some big piece of information here. Yeah, but it looks like everything is coming together because it really does look like that. Yeah, you have like we have two Nancy Drews on the case. Hi there, it's me, Nancy Drew. But they're like going up against like Moriarty or something. Surprise! I am also Moriarty. Yeah. <laughs> looks in the mirror. It's me. Is it me? They bring their own drama. Am I the drama? Without even knowing. I don't think I'm the drama. Back to Ruby. She walks into Granny's diner to get lunch for everyone at the station. 
And everyone stares at her because, you know, it's the prodigal daughter returning. Yeah, and everyone in Storybrooke knows everyone else's business at all times. Because there's only 20 people in the town. We don't have an accurate population count yet. Sorry, 19. Catherine went missing. <laughs> there's awkward talk with Granny. Ruby says, I help solve crimes. Ruby, you haven't even filled out any hiring paperwork. Yeah. It's been literally 20 minutes since you got the offer. Calm down. She just wants to show off. And, like, she shows up. She's like, I'm all adult now. And, like, okay, so I do need to talk about this thing. You know um, the thing that Granny puts the receipt ticket onto, that, like, spike? I yes. hate those so much. Yeah, it those always feels like you're going to puncture your hand. Those freak me out so much. It's It's like the thing where it's like, okay... It's like a Chekhov's gun. This is not a show where that would be used in that way, I don't think. But, like, every time in any film or TV show that I see, I'm like, get that out of there. That someone's going to use that, and it's going to be a weapon, and I'm not going to like it. Having used them before, like, in actual practice, I'm always terrified of puncturing my hand. It looks like it's so unwieldy. It's like, just throw them in the garbage. Why do you need to, like, uh, I hate it. I hate it. Because you got to track the receipts at the end of the night. That's interesting, but I sure don't care. That's literally why you want to keep track okay, of Okay, yeah, that does make sense, but still. I sure don't care. You know that scene in Batman? Yep, exactly. I know exactly. Wanted Dark Knight. Yep. yep, I hate it. I hate it. I hate it. Absolutely hate it. I hate it. Like, ugh, 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 fad. So anyway, change the subject. Yay! Granny's being really condescending, and Ruby's being really petulant. Go to a family therapist. <laughs> That's the summary of the scene. Back in the enchanted forest, Red is talking to Peter, who denies being the wolf. Red is wearing Snow's greenish cloak instead of her red cloak, so he doesn't. Uh, so we know where where Snow is. Uh huh. He doesn't think it's him, but she's convincing him. She suggests that during wolf's time, he gets tied up with rope. Ooh. Gatekeep, gaslight, girl boss. <laughs> It's her. Red is all three. She is. She is the girl boss. She is the moment. <laughs> she is every moment. <laughs> A few moments later. So he doesn't want to get tied up with rope. Oh, no. And instead pulls out chains. Oh, my God. <sighs> as if he's ready for this already. Why does he just randomly have chains? Just for fun. He's a kinky fucker. Oh. Jesus Christ. But yeah, th this was the moment where it's like, uh-huh. What? No, maybe not that, though. That seems like a bad idea. Don't do that. Don't go that way. She decides that she's going to stay with him all night and for all the nights to come. Don't do that. Don't, don't do that. Don't. Back at the station, Henry suggests letting Ruby do more because she's Red Riding Hood and she doesn't remember how much of a badass she is. Well, that convinces Zena <laughs> and immediately brings her along with the search for David. By the way, Ruby's public look Sir, yes. red knit cap flopped over to give the impression of a beret. Yes. Black leather pants that are tailored to her exact proportions. Of course. And then this coat. It's gorgeous. The torso kind of looks like it's like red and blackish pattern. Mm -hmm. It's kind of giving tartan, but not quite. Yeah. The horizontal stripes are a lot more emphasized and it looks dyed instead of just colored. Yeah. The sleeves look leather as well. They're not part of the same plaid pattern. Mm -hmm. And I just can't get over how cute it is. Oh yeah, it's amazing. It's fashion. Emma and Ruby are searching the woods when Ruby stops short because she she just hears him. But Emma doesn't. They find him passed out on the ground. Ruby heard him, but he was unconscious. Hmm. What? What? 
Hmm. Interesting. Work. Hmm. Emma wakes him up and he doesn't remember anything since talking to Emma in her office the night before. At the hospital, the creep Dr. Wales says that the blackout is probably the same phenomenon as when he was wandering around after waking up from his coma. The three of them put together that if he's able to be functional while he's blacked out, then maybe he doesn't remember doing anything to Catherine. And then... Surprise Regina attack! Here's Regina! Here I am! Just in time for her scheduled appointment to fuck up everything. Oh, fuck. She demands a lawyer be present for all this questioning that Emma is doing. I love Emma's reaction, like, are you kidding me? (laughs) Like, just such a genuine, like, come on! It's great. It's it's acting. I love it. I'm acting. And Emma, uh, why hasn't she read his rights yet? <laughs> it's so good. It's it's genuine. She's like, are you fucking kidding me? This line read is amazing. Yeah. yeah. It's it's Regina trying to be anti-cop again. And it's like, mm, mm, Emma's mm, like, mm. Regina, why are you here? Miss <laughs> Mills is still David's emergency contact. You have got to be kidding me. Yeah. It's like... <sighs> After getting shooed out of the hospital room, Emma asked Ruby to go to the toll bridge where David Blackout walked to before to see if she could find anything. With zero clues, Ruby, while on the phone with Emma, who is still at the hospital despite Ruby taking the time to drive from the sheriff's office to the toll bridge, flips aboard, digs a little, and finds a box, opens it, and screams. Big, big scream. Uh, she found something bad. Insert a musical stab here. Yeah. <laughs> in Granny's house, Granny of the past, Widow Lu- in Widow Lucas's house, mm-hmm. Granny discovers the piss poor job that Mary was doing, pretending to be red. Yeah. Hey, uh, Snow White girl, not your place to meddle here. Really, really not a good place to meddle. And I oop. <laughs> Mary explains the situation that they think Peter is the wolf. And Red has him tied up. Oh. Granny is exasperated and shouts, He's tied up! Oh, oh that poor boy! I, I love uh, my note here was, Oops. Oops. And then two notes later, all capital letters, Oops. <laughs> oh, no. Oh, no. Oh, 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 God. Oh, no. Oh, oh. Oh, no. Cut to Peter, and apparently Red has been the wolf the whole time. What a twist. And he's fucking chained to a tree. <laughs> Yikes. Oh no. Big oof. Peter and the wolf. It's, uh, uh, yeah. Rough. Sad. Not rough. Woof. (laughs) That's my response to that. In Maine, Maine, the sheriff's office, Ruby and Emma are staring at the open box. At this point, they're not confirming anything about what's in it, but we see in the box, we can assume it's a heart. There are some kind of remains in this box. Emma pumps up Ruby that she did a damn good job. Damn. She was scared, and she still did the damn thing anyway. Damn. She found a clue. Back in the Enchanted Forest, Granny and Snow are searching the woods. Granny knew the whole time that Red was the wolf, and her mother was too. Did you have something to say? No. I, I will in a second, but but not now. And her mother was too. Son of a bitch. Daughter, I mean. Daughter of a bitch. <laughs> like, the, the thing that I love in fantasy media so much is when there's, like, a very competent older woman. And that's Granny. That's 100% Granny. Like, with her giant crossbow tracking through the woods, I'm like, yeah, 
I the love plus this. two silver crossbow of of harming. It's perfect. It's perfect. Perfect. Sorry. Plus two silver crossbow of slaying. Can't stop. <laughs> Can't stop. Won't stop. Um, the wolf that maimed Granny's arm was Red's grandfather, so her husband. And the bite did indeed turn Granny into a wolf too. I guess Granny doesn't turn anymore, but she can still track by smell. Yeah, that she's like I don't turn at the moon anymore, but like she does. Uh, she has like the wolf abilities. The same, funnily enough, that Ruby has in Storybrook. The ones that she used to track down David unconscious and find the box with the heart. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Granny pulls out that crossbow and gets ready to fire. Snow steps on a twig, and the wolf turns, looking hilarious. This fucking CGI wolf is so amazing. I love this derby picture. This was, I think, one of the better CGI, like, full CGI creations of the show. I need you, Bob, when this episode airs, this is your reminder. Okay. To put a picture of this wolf up. When this episode goes up. Okay. Do it. Please, I need this. <laughs> it's so derpy. I love it. I love Atlantis. Granny fires, drops the wolf, and puts the cloak over the wolf, turning her back into our resident hottie. Snow takes Red, and they flee the hunting party, and Granny stays. Back in Maine, Maine. Ruby walks into Granny's diner and asks to come back to work there. She gives a flattering apology and talks about finding her inner self-worth. She and Granny reconcile, and Granny tells Ruby that she wants Ruby to take over the diner when she retires. Cute. That's so sweet. It's a family business. Yeah, um, so interesting that the magical scar on Granny's arm still hurts her every full moon. Could be that maybe all the magic in Storybrooke isn't quite gone. There might be some, like, weird residual stuff happening. You mean, like, Ruby being able to smell and hear? Mm-hmm. Like a superhuman wolf? Uh... I mean, we saw the same thing with Graham. He was like, I know where I'm going. Like, immediately, like... That's not magic, though. That's just, like, training and hunting skill. Yeah, true. But, like, it's it kind of goes to show that, like... Not all of the skills that people had in the Enchanted Forest were, like, completely lost. Like, they still clearly have those abilities. They still work and fierce and hunt on honey. Yeah. <laughs> Mary and David, meanwhile, are talking in the, at the pet shelter that David works at. Mm -hmm. Emma walks in and confirms that the box did have a human heart. And the big reveal is that the fingerprints on the inside of the box match... Mary Margaret. Yeah, it was like, they weren't David's? Uh-oh, why are you here? <laughs> Cliffhanger ending, it ends there. Yeah. Good job. Solid episode. Really, genuinely, like, I loved this one. That was a good ending, yes. It really, really makes up for Dreamy. Yeah, it, it like, takes all that momentum that Dreamy lost, and it's like... Oh no, so you're going to hit that rainbow splotch on the ground in Mario Kart, and you're going to go all the way to the end of the season with this. Yeah, I legit... Oh God. It was legit a chore to work up to watching this episode <laughs> after Dreamy, because, like... I, I do think that is a low point. Definitely for the season, if not the larger show. Are we going to do a ranking at the end of the season? Yeah, yeah, I, I'm down for that. Because I'm definitely, uh, one of the things I'm planning for the kind of finale recap is how right you were with your predictions. Because mm. um, I have an ongoing document of all of them. <laughs> Still banking on that uh, Rapunzel one. 
Hey, hey, haven't met Rapunzel yet. There's always a chance. The next episode is called Heart of Darkness. Yeah, what do you think that one's going to be about? I really want to make a joke here about it being an exploration of the European colonial rule in Africa around 1900. Yeah, for sure. <laughs> but or, that's, that's just too obvious. It's actually going to be about the creation of Apocalypse Now. <laughs> I think that this one will be a Rumpelstiltskin-centric episode. Okay. Also, I, in high school, we read Heart of Darkness. Really? Really? It, it was, it was, I think it was like, it was either honors or AP. I don't remember which year we read it, but, um, dark book. <laughs> Real yeah. fucking dark book. Yeah. Talk about a downer. So great going into this next episode. <laughs> I, yeah. Like, and, and like seeing that the next episode is called Heart of Darkness after that reveal. Yeah. It's like, ooh. Yeah. <laughs> I'm, uh, so. Just another another little peek behind our process. Usually after we record, I immediately go and watch the next one and do my notes. I'm really excited to watch this one. Like, the Heart of Darkness is definitely definitely either Rumpelstiltskin or Regina. Like it's, it's he's one or the other. Yeah, yeah. No, I'm I'm really looking forward to rewatching this one. Uh, I think it's gonna be uh, it's gonna be a good one. I think. Thank you for staying with us. You can rate and review us on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and wherever else you get your podcasts. Thank you very much, AJ, for editing our show. Say hi, AJ. Our title song is World of Magic by Scott Buckley. You can find this and more of his music at his website, linked in the description. You can follow us on Instagram, Twitter, TikTok, maybe even Tumblr by this point, Ooh. at Not Even Once Pod. Links are in the bio. You can follow me on Twitter at the kid ain't right. You can follow me on Twitter at recycled sarcasm. And you can email us at not even once pod at gmail.com. Or you can join us at our discord, which we do have linked in our link tree on all of our socials. We'd love to have you there. Enjoy your happy ending. That was moist. You had to get one. You had to get one. I did.